0: Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: It's a victory edition of Spits and Sods. Welcome, hockey fans. I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan. Great to talk to you today today. Joined by my co-host, two-time Stanley Cup champion, all-around good dude, he's Luds, he's Craig Ludwig. I should have had the song ready again. You know how many people, wondering
2: if we I was wondering if we're coming in with the song.
0: You
1: know how many people said, hey, can you keep playing the song?
2: I got good but feedback the, oh on it. God. Yeah, those those people are bartenders.
1: <laughs> you know, maybe so. Maybe so. (laughs) All right. Yeah. Uh, Great win last night. Two to nothing up in uh, Winnipeg. Um, I wanted to start by asking you because I feel as though, and they're going to obviously see each other again, but sometimes teams will come to town and I say, ooh, tough matchup for the Stars. And Winnipeg used to be one of those teams. I think that we've flipped the script and I think the Stars are now a bad matchup for the Jets.
2: Well, I I would say that the Stars are becoming a bad matchup for a lot of teams. True, good point. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, Um, I don't think it's as bad. I don't think the Jets really expected, um, well, internally they always do, but from the outside, I, I think there's a lot of surprise to the Winnipeg team this year, you know, being in the, I think they're still in the top three. You know, I mean, I I look at playoff, I I look at the wild card stuff, but um, you know, I don't think there was a lot of people. I mean, but what they did is what Chevy did, what Cheval Dayoff did there, their their general manager in Winnipeg. I mean, there was a big question mark about Scheifele and and Hellebuck. You know, kind of their two linchpins of the team, and um, you know, Hellebuck has been you know banging on the door for. Uh, for a few years, you know, as far as being one of the top, you know, three to five goalies in the league, and so they found a way to get those two guys locked up. And I think it was actually a surprise because I think they felt that um one, if not both, of those guys may be gone this year or last last year in the summer. And and so gen- their general manager found a way to lock them up. And I think they got identical deals. I mean, dollar amount and term yep. and everything. Yeah, else. absolutely.
0: So, yeah, yeah,
2: you I mean. know, and then. <clears throat> you know, with the whole, with bones, with Rick bonus. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was going through a situation with his wife. And so bones was back. He probably had this, this game circled on the calendar saying, baby, I hope you're good enough, uh, you know, from what she was dealing with because I may be on the bench for this game. So unfortunately for Rick, it, it probably didn't go the way he wanted it to. But, but I think when a team Winnipeg has been a team this year, that that's surprised a lot of people, Yeah, you know, well, scoring a lot and, more goals than they usually do too. Well, they've got a guy that's been banging on the door every year. Uh, You know, Kyle Connor is is a number 81 for him. is a goal scorer. I mean, he flies out there and he gets a lot of shots. He gets them away. Um, There was a lot of talk, I think, the last couple of weeks that, you know, he could be the guy this year the 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 dark horse to win the rocket i don't see that happen and not because he can't score it's just about your supporting cast a lot of times so um but anyway you know it was it was one of those kind of games it was just low scoring back and forth dallas you know dallas had a you know they came out good and they controlled a lot and then winnipeg kind of you know pushed back and um so you know and, and again the the pavelski and you know guys like that do their thing and um so you know, timely goals, I think, last night. But I, but again, I, I go back. I, you know, not just because of the way the, the the score finished last night, but but Ottinger was good again. When he needed to be good, Otter was good, really good.
1: Yeah, he had, he had great positioning. I love how he was coming out and attacking the puck. Uh, Winnipeg had some really good chances, and he shut down um, the Jets all, all night. Two to nothing final. Um, I did notice early, Craig, um, and kudos to the Stars' defensemen. But the ability to get out of the zone so quick, and I just felt as though even though Winnipeg really had a solid chance early, I felt as though the Stars didn't really receive a lot of pressure because Winnipeg was exhausted getting out of their own zone because the Stars, I thought, did a really good job pinching, forechecking, and just putting a lot of pressure, even though they didn't score, in that first period, there was a lot of pressure in the Winnipeg zone.
2: Yeah. You know, and I think you'd ideally like to have that all the time when you're on the road. I mean, and, and Winnipeg's, you know, they're known for their fan base and they've got a pretty good group. And it seems like every year they always find or every game, they try to find somebody to boo. And they, I didn't, I didn't hear that last night, but um, I think anytime you want to go into an opposing building, you want to try to wrestle the momentum away from the, Home team as quick as you can and it starts with the drop of the puck and if you know the, the the turnovers in in the neutral zone the turnovers in your own zone trying to exit they're momentum killers and and I think if you can flip the script which they did and like you said they exit they don't try to do too much coming through the neutral zone and they got on them I mean pucks were going in deep and and there was a hard forecheck to start and you know and so you you kind of look at it at, you know, if you're in that situation, if you're Winnipeg, you're like, man, we're, we're spending a lot of time on our end and we're back on our heels. And, and it keeps the, it keeps the fans, you know, they're, they're sitting on their hands. They don't have a lot to cheer about. And and so you kind of build momentum that way that the crowd doesn't get in it to the, the guys that are controlling the music, don't get into it. And, and, you know, as you're sitting there as a visitor and you're going, this is exactly where and how we want to start a hockey game is to be able to you know, push on them and, and let them spend a little bit more time in their own zone than they want to. And then by doing that, they don't create those, you know, those opportunities, um, you know, at the other end of the rink. And and when they do, like I said, they, there's a guy like Ottinger that, that seems to make it difficult. And, and really what he does sometimes is he makes the saves look easy. I mean, he yes. really makes them look easy at times. So um, I know Ehlers had a couple I, – I, I love that Ehlers, um, number 27. Tom, oh, yeah. But he, I mean he dances around and he had a couple you know opportunities and and Jake just kind of comes out cuts the angle down and I know he made one big glove save on him and but but he makes it look easy and I I it, it you know it's it's depressing for 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 the home team.
1: Yeah, no you're absolutely right. All right.
2: This uh
1: next July Joe Pavelski turns 40, currently 39 years old. We have a unique perspective here on Spits and Suds because Craig ended his career At age 39, after playing, was it 16 or 17 years in the NHL?
2: 17.
1: 17. That's hell of impressive, first of all. I know you don't like to talk about it, but 17 years in the NHL is tremendous. So, take us through your body. And I know it's different times, nutrition, all that stuff. But your body at 39, when you finally said, okay, I I think that's enough. And what you see out of Joe Pavelski, because... It's not like he, and I'll use Patrick Sharp as an example. As Patrick Sharp got older, you know, he was still good, but you could, you know, see the regression, not the same player that first came up. And that's obviously common. However, Joe Pavelski is not only maintaining, I think there's an argument that he's actually better. It is amazing to watch.
2: Yeah. And it's funny you use Sharpie. I mean, were you trying to get a, reference to Chicago in there by any chance, you know, on
1: you know, I mean he'd be a good room guy for a team. I know I just don't know if a team will uh touch Mr. Perry right now, sir. Well yeah,
2: I was gonna say I didn't know if you wanted to stir this pot stir the pot. I mean it's all if you know anything about hockey it's all Chicago now and it's not because of their winning. But I, anyway
1: yeah, no you're right. You're right. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I, I can't believe how many text messages I've got. What do you know? What do you know? And I'm like, dude, what do I know? Like you know what I mean? Like so <laughs> <clears throat> nobody knows we, we think we know, but we don't know. But, um, you, you know what I, I think, and I've said this many times about Joe and, and I don't, Is Joe really gotten any slower? I mean, I don't think Joe's ever going to hit self admittedly. He's not going to say he was ever one of the top 40 fastest guys in the league. Yeah. He played the game from the neck up and it, it, his hockey IQ was incredible. And he, and you have to give credit to, and I think it makes it look, maybe that Joe is maybe getting faster or as fast as he was five or six years ago because of who he, who he plays with. And I'm not talking so much about Jason Robertson. I'm talking about hints. I mean, what, like I said, what, what hints does regardless of who he plays with is his speed backs people off. And, and all that does is creates more passing lanes. It creates more ice because as a defenseman, even as a pair, you see him coming and and, and winding up at his own blue line. And by the time he gets to the, to the center line, you know, he's at top speed and and it's scary. I mean, look at Connor McDavid, what he does with, with guys that he plays against when he's healthy. I mean, so what happens is he creates a lot of space for Robertson and for Joe and Joe is such a, a cerebral player. You watch that. Yes. Joe makes tape to tape passes, but watch how many times he puts pucks into areas and he knows where Robo's going to be, and he knows that he has to lead even hints a little bit more, and he allows those guys to skate into those those passes. And a lot of times, it's it's through the seams, or it may be a little chip behind a defenseman, and then as you play against that, that opens up even more because now you're going, okay, when this dude gets the puck, he wants to put it behind me, and I got somebody coming at me at Mach 1, and so now you have to back off a little bit because if you don't, you know, it turns into a, to a, a mini breakaway. So, uh, like I said, I, Joe is just such a, a smart player, and when it comes to your body, as you started the question, you know, when you're at, you know, in your late 30s and you're playing, there's a big difference here between, <laughs> between the way, you know, we take care of ourselves then and the way they take care of their, you know, their selves now. Joe has always been a a guy I believe that takes care of his body and does the right things and eats the right things. And more importantly, probably drinks the right things. And, and I think he's, you know, he's in, you know, is, is relatively great shape as you can be for, for a guy that's played in the league as long as he has. And he's had some, he's had some serious injuries, you know, that he's overcome, you know, whether it be concussions or, you know, jaw or whatever it may be. So he approaches the game as a true professional. Uh, and I think all the great players in the league, they, you know, they take their craft seriously. And, and I, I, and again, I go back to Wyatt Johnston. Uh, there's a reason, um, you know, that the organization wanted Wyatt to, to hang around a guy like Joe um, just because those kind of things are going to rub off and you're going to be talking about Joe pavelski when he's done. And I do truly believe, and again, I said this before also that, know if it were me joe would be in the organization whenever he decides to hang it up he's so good for the young guys he's such a class act um and he's a guy that goes about his business the way you'd want the rest of your players especially your young players so um you know and and again you know i think when you get to that age and, and in joe's case obviously you're starting to hear the talk about is he or isn't he a hall of famer you know and we've talked about this also i mean does he have the major awards? They seem to think about that. But, you know, he'll be a borderline guy probably. I mean, he, he's scratching the surface of uh, at 500 goals or, um, you know, and I'm sure he's eyeing those, you know, yep. those benchmarks himself. Yeah,
1: absolutely. What will also be interesting uh, when we talk about Hall of Fame, because I, I agree, I don't think he's a surefire Hall of Famer right now, as weird as that sounds, but clearly these seasons are certainly adding up to a Hall of Fame career um there are some names that i feel have to get in as well but and we've talked about that on this podcast but 13 seasons with the sharks if he comes back it's 6 seasons with dallas so it's a heck of a heck of a career in uh, in dallas and so if he does go in the hall i mean i do think you have to retire his number just like san jose will retire his number because that's a lot of seasons with one team
2: yeah You're talking about in San Jose, right? Or are you talking about
1: San Jose, but there's nothing wrong with, you know, I mean, it's a, it's an old argument, but there's nothing wrong with, you know, retiring a number in two spots.
2: Yeah. I, I, again, we've talked about other guys about this. I, I don't know. I don't know what the criteria is. And I, I just, I mean, you kind of open up a can, don't you? I mean, all of a sudden you start getting guys that have played for you know five, six years and they're great players. You were like, I don't know, if, is Yager getting his jersey retired in nine different buildings? I don't, you know, I don't think so. I mean, he played a long time, obviously, in Pittsburgh, but is that going to be the only place? Again, I know we're talking about Yager versus, we're, I mean, when you look at numbers, you know, and Yager's still playing for God's sake, he's 55 or whatever he is. Um, <clears throat> so I don't know. that, You know, I, I just think that, I think – when I think about the jerseys being retired, I immediately go to Chelly. I go to Chellios and, you know, there's a guy that played 25, 26, whatever he played. And, you know, to, to have his jersey in the Chicago stadium, I think Chelly played there nine, 10 years, you know, and, and, you know, and he's a hall of famer. So I, I get that, but, but do you start putting up jerseys in buildings, what regardless if they're hall of famers or not? Um, I guess you can, you can do whatever you want, you know? So, yeah. I don't know. I I don't know. Again, I'm not sure what the criteria should be and, and how do you even decide that kind of stuff? So, um, but apparently you're going to be at the front door banging it and wondering why it's not hanging in the But,
1: you know, I mean, I thought you were going to come on today and say, wow, Gavin, that's amazing that you finally got that statue of Mike Madonna. You've been banging for.
2: Well, you know, I mean, that that's, isn't that kind of a no brainer? I mean, it, it's just, you would think, you know, you would think. And for me, I mean, it, I, I wish he was, I wish personally, he was still with the Dallas stars, Yeah, but he's not, yeah. um, you know, so I hope but, they but, choose
1: the cup like statue, by the way of him raising the cup for the reason, because I think it benefits you and it benefits the rest of your teammates that when people say, who's that daddy, or let me tell you about this statue, the 99 cup team will be talked about. My personal opinion, I don't know,
2: yeah, but possibly, uh, you know, but yeah. but I, I mean, listen, we're talking about Mike Madonna here, you know, it's appropriate that Dirk and and more of uh, the statues out there, but um, yeah, you know, yeah, it we're apples and oranges for me. I no, mean, Mo, I, get I get it, and I guess it makes it you know a little biased for me because you know, playing with Mike and things like that, never played with Joe, um, but but you know, I you know, there's There's some names. I just, I go back to how do you, how do you really pick and choose? And then if you take, and I don't mean to call anybody a borderline guy, um, to hang their jerseys or whatever it may be, then you kind of open the door to all the other things, you know, all the other players that, you know, you're kind of, well, if he's in, then he should be in, then he should be in. And and then, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that either, I guess. I mean, isn't the Boston Celtics, don't they, isn't their whole building lined with jerseys? It is,
1: it is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. A C- certainly a lot yeah. of them and and the name that we've discussed on the program um personally uh I don't think Joe Pavelski should get in unless Rod Brindamore is in.
2: That's my opinion. Yeah, well, Brendamore and Verbeek. I mean, yeah, there's a Verbeek's couple another one too, yeah. I I don't know who the who they were talking about. I don't know who went in. Who went in last time? Here just recently. Who, who were the guys? Uh, Henrik <laughs> Lump- it, was, well, it was all goalies, right? Yeah. It was all goalies that went in. Um, but there, wasn't there somebody else? Was there, was there a player that went in Uh, a skater? I should say, uh, not a goal. I don't remember. Well, anyway, yeah, Yeah, but they were throwing numbers around and I'm like, well, geez, wait a second. I mean, Pat Verbeek has got more goals than this guy. You know, we never hear his name mentioned. So the only time we hear it is on the spits and suds broadcast. Apparently. I know. I know. Well, that's how we got the statue, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Has Mo sent you a thank you card or no? Not
1: yet, but no. I'll ask you to have him send me one. That would make my. Day well,
2: <laughs> I'll reach out as soon as we get done
1: here. Man, you're such a good dude. I yeah, I, I, I appreciate that.
2: Hey, um, how come we're not? How come we're not talking? I mean, you you, talk, you bring up Joe, and yeah. I'm talking about Hanson Robo. Why are we not talking about Marchment, Duchaine? Oh yeah, I mean we
1: certainly have, and we can have that discussion because. Similar to you recalling um, Mr. Gavin Spittle talking about Radic Foxa, which I have since said, um, I'm very pleased with his play. Um, I still don't like the contract, but I got to get off that contract thinking and think of the player. And I was the same way with Mason Marchment. And I think it starts with Matt Duchesne, Lutz. I mean, I you cannot break them up. I, I just think... <laughs> That is a line that's really effective right now. I mean, terrific saucer pass last night. He's getting opportunities. He's drawing penalties. Um, he's doing a lot. He's the Mason Marchman that the Stars, you know, were thinking of when they went out and got him.
2: Well, who, who was thinking about breaking them up?
1: I'm just saying, you know, today's NHL, and when a couple games go wrong, all of a sudden we see different lines. And you know, well, kudos all, to Pete DeBoer. I also know if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, he has not done Pete DeBoer, and obviously they're winning. But Pete DeBoer has been really good since coming to Dallas about you know keeping some continuity in the lines. And I mean, you remember under Bonus in Montgomery, they were switching lines all the time. So uh, yeah, I I just want Matt Duchesne to stay with Mason Marchment because I think he's making Mason Marchment the player that the Stars paid for.
2: Well, personally, I think they're the best, they're the best line. Yes. I mean, we can talk about, you know, that, that top line. I think these are, this is the top line. Even, even from when you look at, yeah, you look at everything. I mean, Duchesne, let's see. Duchesne is six, 12, Marchman is five. That's, that's what, plus 17. That's a plus 17 as a line. Mm-hmm. Paul Pavelski is at, is even. Jason Robertson is minus one. And Rupe Hansen's plus two, that's a plus one. Yeah. So when you want to talk about a line that that is doing it at both ends of the rink, um, and the way they, I think the, like they'd all want to the where the reason that they're doing it at both ends of the rink because they're not spending a lot of time in their own zone. You know, they're finding ways to exit the zone and and you know Duchesne's been excellent and and there you can tell there's a chemistry between Duchesne and well, there's chemistry between all of them, but I mean, really Tyler and, and Duchesne, I think are, are really on the same page. We know they're friends and all that other kind of stuff, but you're right with, with Marchman. I mean, Marchman now is going, I'm playing with two elite players, you know, and, and, and they're not, they're not in their early twenties. You know, that's the impressive part is Duchesne and, and both Tyler, you know, aren't, are uh, spring, you know, spring chickens or whatever you call them. So, but they sure—you wouldn't know it by the way they're playing—and that line is. I just think that, you know, DeBoer is going. Yeah, we got the, you know, we got the Pavelski, Robertson, Hints, and they've been doing it since they've been together and stuff like that. But, man, you got a you got a one-two punch, and I'm not even sure who number one is, and it doesn't really matter. But, um, but they're dangerous all the time on the power play—that's for sure, you know. So, I mean, you look at them; those three guys are, and I don't have it in front of me, but those three guys are. Uh, you know, one, two, and three in scoring, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, but what's the percentage of points coming from the power play and, you know, versus the other one. But I don't, I don't think it really matters. I mean, the point is, is that they've got, they've got two lines that are, that are rolling. And then you, you know, then you go ahead and, you know, the Donov seems to be kind of snake bit. I mean, he's out of, he's out of minus eight. You know, I always kind of look at the other end of the rink and, and a lot of that isn't always just an individual stat, but, um, but I just, when you look at the numbers from the Duchesne line, I mean, they're pretty damn good. Yeah, We're absolutely. absolutely. And,
1: and you know, I know you, Craig, you're going to say, Hey, don't worry about it. And this is a June conversation, but for stars fans saying, wow, we need Matt Duchesne to stick around. Uh, next year because he is an uh, unrestricted free agent and teams will be looking at this season and saying, wow, um, this is a Matt Duchesne we want on our team. The only unrestricted free agents, as far as money, because they're tight against the cap right now, you have Pavelski up, which obviously we want to re-sign. You have Craig Smith up. He's had a good year. He's only had a million dollars. And you have Hockenpah up. So, you know, those restricted. You have DeLandria... And you have Sam Steele. So you don't necessarily have to keep those guys around, but you might have to find some money, and that might mean a buyout of a player um to keep Matt Duchesne similar to what Nashville did with Matt Duchesne around. So don't want to get into a deep dive because let's just enjoy the Matt Duchesne that's here, but hopefully also Matt Duchesne. And I wanted to ask you about that, Craig. Does a player, and I know the bottom line is is, you know, money is important this is careers but in your playing career did you go a place and you're like wow I really fit well in this system and this system's good for me I'm I want to make money but at the same time I feel as though thriving is as important too
2: yeah and I, I think for Dushane I don't believe Duchesne has won a cup I, I don't think so you know he was part of Colorado they went on to win a cup when he wasn't there and so I, I think as you get older, you know, he's, he's, he had a really good contract prior to coming here Yes, uh, actually about three, four years ago, he had a really good contract. So his, you know, his gravy train came a few years ago. And so now I think he's playing to win a Stanley cup. And I think that probably was part of the reason why he came here. He probably had a couple other options to go other places and, and I don't know who they were, but he, you know, these guys, you know, as they, they get older. They they go. You know, they look at the teams and they dissect them and say, you know, here here's where I can go. I'm willing to go there for you know three million. I'm willing. Uh, yeah, I used to make eight, but I'm willing to go there. I mean, look at look at Patrick Kane. Patrick Kane is making just signed yesterday or agreed yesterday. He's going to go play for the Wings yep. and he's getting two seven five two seven five per year. So, yep, no bonuses dude. And, and and for only one year, yep. which really kind of. Su- surprised me, I guess, in a way. But, but again, I think that he's betting on, on himself and we'll see how he, you know, how he is coming off of the, I think it's called resurfacing of his hip and, um, things like that. But he, you know, he's going to be reunited with the guy that he has some good uh, chemistry with and in, in Chicago and, and to bring it. And maybe that's, yeah. I, I'm sure that put him with, with him to start off, you know, good for him, but, and I know Dallas was mentioned in there. Um, you know, that they, they were looking at that, but, um, but anyway, I think for Duchesne, I think when you're at this this time of your career and for those guys, you know, they've they've made some money in their career. So now it becomes, you know, that thing at the end of the road. We, we want this, I want that trophy, I want that ring. And so I think that's that's a big part of it. And and, and I think Joel is possibly in that same situation. You know, look at Pavelski. I mean, he he's had such a great career, but he hasn't won that big one. And, you know, he keeps coming back here for less. That just tells you he believes in it too. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I, and I think all that credit though goes to guys like Brad Alberts and, you know, Jim Nill and, and what they do off the ice and how they, how they are in the community, how they represent the organization and the players represent the organization and, You know, guys come here and they're like, it doesn't take them long to go, yeah, I want to be part of this organization. It's the way they're treated. And that has to be part of it now. You know, the other thing is, is that the salary cap is going to get bumped up. So, you know, that that might give you a chance to you know, if it's Duchesne and say, listen, we can, we can come up this much this next year. And then the following year, you know, maybe there's going to be another few million that the cap comes up and, you know, we can, we can extend it to that. So who knows how they're going to do it. But I, but I would think that if this continues to go like this and they have success in the playoffs, and regardless if they win a cup or not, that Matt Duchesne is probably going to look that, you know, having a really good year. Uh, I got some line mates and some teammates that are that are good people off the ice, and we've got a an exciting team. And they this team plays for the the style that Matt Duchesne wants to play. Now, if he was going to go, you know, to to Nashville or something, and Nashville's trying to play a little bit more offensive, but to one of those kind of teams that you know maybe locks it down a little bit more, that might not be in his wheelhouse. That doesn't he doesn't enjoy playing the game as much, you know, than than playing to what his strengths still are for him.
1: Is also one of the draws of Dallas, and I ask you as a player, because once again, one of the reasons we love having you on Spits and Suds is you have this perspective. You played in Montreal where you couldn't go out to dinner with somebody not recognizing who you are. And for players, they come to Dallas, even though the Stars are extremely popular, um, the fact remains they can walk down the street and they're not getting bugged. They can actually maintain quite the normal life. Plus the state income factor, no state income tax, so they actually make more money. So I wanted to ask you, as players, did you talk about that?
2: Yeah, but you had the order wrong. (laughs) The the last may (laughs) be (laughs) first. The state tax really played a factor. Yeah, of course it is. I mean, I I think for these guys now, and you know, and listen, we talked about this kind of stuff. Also, is that. You know, the, a lot of these guys, when they're signing now, they have some some type of a no trade, right? Some kind of a clause, whether it's a full no move or it's partial. But from what I understand, all these guys that have these no move, move clauses all have Canadian teams on them. Basically, I'm not going to go, I'll sign it, but here, this is part of my deal. I'm not going to Canada. And that's, what is that about? It's not because, you know, the, the people know you. And, and you're, you know, they, they know who you are when you go out to dinner and stuff like that. It had nothing to do with that. It's because of the, the dollar and the, the exchange rate and the taxes and everything else. And they're like New York living in New York, living in LA, you know, the cost of living. So, um you know, that, that to me factors in um probably higher than anything else. But I, but I do think it's important that they know some guys on the team and they've got a relationship with one or two or three guys. And then, you know, and and you kind of learn from that, then they get in and then they get here and, you know, an older guys, you know, what's the family like, what are the schools like Dallas has got some great schools. I understand. I don't, I, that's what I hear. Yeah. Um, You know, so that's important. I think now it's probably more important now than when I played, I mean, we didn't know about schools or didn't care about schools, you know, again, I'm probably not the right guy to ask because I was just happy that I was able to play Yeah, you know, I would have gone anywhere that they would take me. So, so, but I I do think those things are all important, but I I think they do their their due diligence more now than we ever did. And there are all the things off the ice that matter just as much that's going on on the ice. And I think just the environment that they're in. And, and, and again, when you're, you know, when the league is competitive and it is competitive um, this year, there's a, you know, there's a few teams that are surprisingly, not playing up to their level, but that might change. But when you're competitive like that, you have to find reasons why they want to come to your organization versus somebody else. Yeah. And, and I think that's why I say that. I think the stars have, have done an incredible job, you know, making them feel like this is home even before it becomes their home.
0: This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?
1: So one of the things that we've done on spits and suds is we want to be all inclusive in that I had a great email a few weeks ago and said, Gavin, you know, I I'm trying to learn the game of hockey and I'm a little embarrassed to say, you know, I, I, I can't ask my friends. They don't know hockey and I'm a Hispanic male. And can you teach me? And I've been working with this person. And before you joke, it's, it's working. He's learning hockey. So I know you're going to say you picked a bad person to go to. However, uh, what I'm saying on this program is, if you have questions, feel free to contact me, and I will bring them up on the program. And these are questions that I think a lot of people have, but might not feel comfortable asking. And Kyle White brings up something which I think is a really interesting topic. Can you explain the rules for faceoffs? The second part of the question, Craig, why do face why do players get kicked out so frequently? And I do think this is becoming a problem in the NHL where something has to be done because I feel like every draw, someone's getting
2: kicked out. Well, they have guidelines. You know, I mean, it it used to be where the defense, if you're in your own zone, you had the advantage of coming into the circle last. So the opposing centerman, if you're in the offensive zone, you have to have, you had to. Have your stick down first, and so they changed that rule. And all the rule changes that we've seen are mainly to get the goals up. You know, so now what they're doing is the defensive player in his own zone, ha- the centerman has to have a stick down first, which gives the you know the other guy an advantage because the the linesman they I mean you've seen the faceoff they kind of want to time it when they they come together and then they want to drop the puck, but you know there always seems to be that that last second that or not the the guy that's on the offensive team (laughs) comes in and they get a little bit of an advantage, but um, so anyway, that, that's, that's that part. And, but, and then also they're trying to do it to where if you, you know, and again, if you go down and you, you, two guys fall, and one of the guys puts his hand on the puck, you know, to try to pull it back between you, that's a penalty. You know, so you can't touch it with your hand, which that never used to be like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of these rules that, that come in, and and I think they get a warning, and then the second one they get kicked out, then they put in the other centerman, which generally aren't the centermen. You know, it's a winger. So now all of a sudden the advantage shifts again, so that now you've got a winger that comes in that isn't, you know, it's not his job to take face-offs, you know. So if you break, if the Donov comes in or to take it versus White Johnson or Jamie Ben. There's an advantage to the you know to the other team, so they're trying to keep it as fair as possible because guys used to cheat all the time on the faceoffs. You know they'd get leverage and you know they'd turn and they wouldn't. So they've got to stay as square as they can, and they've got lines you know where they're supposed to respect them. Their skates have to be at a certain spot and Correct. to try to keep them even. And I, I think they've always wanted now what they're trying to do is they're trying to give the slight advantage to the centerman that comes in you know, gets your stick down last um, because I think for the most part, a lot of times that guy has a bit of an edge. I mean, it'd be a better question for it's funny. We talk about this because w- with our sentiment our, on our kids teams here, you know, we, I'm the last guy to go to, like, Hey coach, can you I me mean, like, no, dude, I can't help you with the face off. I have no idea. I have no clue. So, you know, it's a better, it's a better question. It would be somebody, you know, that that's where you bring in a Joe Pavelski or a Tyler saving or, I mean, Jamie, Ben, Jamie, Ben, for me he's just strength you know he he just outpowers guys so many times they know he's going on his backhand, and he just he overpowers them so um you know and again timing and all that other kind of stuff so uh but yeah it it's really about trying to keep it as even possible you know the advantage and you know keep the keep the face offs where there's a little bit of a scrum almost like rugby where there's a little bit of a scrum there and they can come in and dig a puck out
1: He's two-time Stanley Cup champion Craig Ludwig. I'm Gavin Spittle. So on to Calgary. Are you thinking because they play Calgary Thursday night, and then they have Tampa in a afternoon matinee? Where would you like to see Wedgwood's next start in goal?
2: Uh, I, I mean, I don't see them not starting Jake tomorrow. Or I mean, Calgary, I, I don't see that. Pre- pretty I, tough I
1: see- to sit a goalie after a shutout, right?
2: Yeah, and and I don't think and again I don't think he was overworked in that game either. I mean, it didn't, you know, there wasn't a lot of scrambling going around. I thought they played a, a real good game in front of them. So, I don't think he was overtaxed. I think he would be ready to go. Why do why do we have to have Wedgewood in there? <laughs> you why know, well, yeah, are you saying that he's going to he needs to play in either the Tampa game or the Calgary game?
1: Well, what I'm saying is is that Pete DeBoer has been very strident so far this year saying, yes, this was a scheduled Ottinger day off because we're working on our load management. I think they saw that he got tired during the playoffs and they want to keep, they want to try this fresh approach where, especially with since Wedgwood's healthy, where they want to give, uh, you know, Wedgwood some, you know, quality starts a, in case Ottinger goes down, but more importantly, the load management.
2: Yeah. What I would say is schedules are subject to change. So, you know, and again, like if 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 he goes in and has a relative easy and I don't think it's ever easy against Calgary, it always seems to be a a pretty competitive uh, goalie situation at both ends of the rink. So, um, you know, I, I I mean, I would think that Otter would want to play against Vasilevsky. I mean, Vasilevsky's back now for for Tampa, you know, and again, who knows how how they're handling him. Will he play um, that game? But I mean, if if that guy is relatively healthy, he wants to play every single game, and and Cooper lets him play every single game. So um, that that to me is a, is a. Uh, yeah, I mean, if I'm Ottinger, right, don't you want to go. You you are one of the best. You're in the top, whatever that would be, three right. to five goalies in the league. Wouldn't you want to play against who's been the best for yeah. the last six ten years? No, absolutely. So, you know so if, if that comes down to a conversation maybe that's where they say oh, all right we, we put Wedgwood in against Calgary and and Otter then then you know I, I just think that that's the purpose of a goalie coach you know and and let, and let me since bringing up goalie coaches mm-hmm. let me ask you this question yes coaches get fired all the time right yes. I mean it's this, this league is ridiculous when coaches Dean Evenson, so Dino got fired in Minnesota he's only got a winning record yeah they're, they 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 have players like Pat Maroon that you know, have a hard time getting up and down the ice. They're cap and, strapped, so they you know, can
1: only do so much. Yeah, I agree.
2: They they have a, a problem, obviously, because of Suter and Parise. Yes, you know they're they're playing they're playing you know with with only a couple bullets in their gun. Yes. They're they're playing with the 67, 68 eight million dollar cap, where other teams are are playing you know in the eighties. So th- there's a disadvantage there, but they knew that was coming, so they fired Dino. And, you know, there's been a couple other coaches that are fired. And, you know, in, in Edmonton, right? In Edmonton, yes. what was it? Jake Campbell, right? So they take Campbell and they move him to the American League. Then then they fire their head coach. Why the hell don't goalie coaches get fired when they're blaming it on the goaltending? Our goaltending is just awful. We can't. But they fire the head coach. Good point. Why don't you fire the
1: goalie coach? Do they feel psychologically since goalies can be fired? Uh, fragile. That keeping the same person that has worked with that goalie will be affected. I
2: mean, we saw that. In- well, wait a second. They're fragile. They stink. They're no good. <laughs> I mean, the, the goalies in Minnesota are rotten right now. Yeah. They were really good last year. They're yeah. rotten right now. The the guys in in uh, Edmonton, they 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 move Campbell on to the American League. They they bring in a guy. I don't know what who who it was, but they brought a guy in. And he played one game in two weeks, but they fire the head coach in Edmonton and in Minnesota. Yeah. But they have, they they brought their teams to good spots from where they were when they got hired. Like I think that the dude in Edmonton had a ridiculous winning percentage and Dean Evanson, they've had a, you know, an average team for a long time in Minnesota. You know, they, they seem to find a way to get to the playoffs. They don't really advance too far in the playoffs, but winning records. Their numbers are all better than the previous year, but then they run into goalies where the goalies stink. And we just, we don't have goaltending. And what are we going to do? That's all the talk is. And then they fire the head coach all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Goalie coaches ever get fired and say, listen, yeah, we know it's your buddy and it's your goalie and that's kind of your, your shrink and everything else, but you're no good. Right. So. And with the NFL
1: clears house, as soon as a new coach comes in, it's all new coordinators is usually the case.
2: There was somebody I heard about. look well, this is hockey. So there's somebody I heard about last week. I don't know what goalie it was, but but he was requesting yeah. a different goalie coach. He wanted to bring his old goalie coach in or something like that. That is, and uh, I think
1: did. yes, absolutely, yeah,
0: uh, yeah. It, well,
1: was anyway, it, was but, it Jack but that Campbell? It might have been. It was. It was somebody that's been struggling and they had requested the organization, it was in the American right. league to have this. Was it
2: Carolina? I don't know where it was. Yeah. But anyway, but they can they can do that. But why when your goalies are rotten do you fire the head guy? Like what does he do? I, I mean, think- I you know, I don't think head coaches really have a lot to do with the goaltenders. You know, they leave that up to the goalie coach. You know, and that's their You know, that's their technical guy and, you know, they sit in the room and they go together over games and things like that. I don't – to my knowledge, the goalie coaches aren't in there. I mean, the head coaches aren't in The goalie coaches are in there. Yeah. So that's your guy. Well, if my goalies think – I don't know. Maybe we should – you know instead of creating but you say uh, you just signed this guy and you, you you talk about this guy and he's got really this but he's just not playing well and I'm like well why is that the coach's fault now edmonton kind of see i put it edmonton uh, uh, the way that their system is like he he tried to play this i don't know what it's called like i think they called it a box plus 1 and <clears throat> all this other stuff and i mean i think Again, we're getting off on Dallas Stars here, but I mean, the Oilers are a two-man team. That's what they are. Yeah, <laughs> you know.
1: Yeah, no, so, you're absolutely right. And now anyway. Connor McDavid gets his guy that coached him in juniors.
2: So. Yeah. By the way, I want I want somebody to go back. I was watching the game where McDavid went for a long stretch. It, it, it was just it was shitty for him, right? He, he wasn't playing well. I, I think everybody thinks he was hurt, you know, and he went and played in that that winter classic game. And he, they said it was going to be three, four week injury came back at two. He, you know, he wanted to play in the game. So he played in that game. He's going to play in the rest of the game. I don't think he was healthy. He didn't even look like the same guy. Well, when he, and he went for a stretch and they had a, they had a tight shot of him after he scored a goal. And it'd been a few games. I could have swore if they would, I and nobody said it, they went back and they had a real close-up of him, and I could have swore. He said, I'm back. Hmm. Because he scored a goal and he maybe felt good. I wish somebody would have picked up on that. This is yeah. over a couple of weeks ago when he scored this goal. Well, he has 12 points in his last three games. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I would say he's back. <laughs> you know, but 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 again, let's but, but besides McDavid and Drysidel, that team has been riding those two guys for years. Yes. And and year after year after year they talk about goaltenders, but they don't get goaltenders, but then they fire head coaches. Yeah.
1: Uh, no, you're absolutely right. All right. Quick comment. Uh, do you think Jacob Truba should have got us suspended for the uh, stick to the head?
2: Yeah, it's regardless of, of what ha- I can probably kind of see what was happening. He was kind of tied up. He was tried and wrestling at both hands on a stick guy. Let's go or he loses the grip. He comes around, swings, hits him in the head. Regardless, th- the visual is bad. And I think Truba, doesn't it seem like Truba? And again, the majority, almost all of his hits our shoulder. And he's, you know, he's concussed a few guys, but he's a truck. He can, and every time you watch him hit, his elbow is tucked into his body. So it's not an elbow and, and he tries to go right through the chest. And most of the times he does, but there's been some of them that, uh, you know, you may even be thinking to yourself, I might get a game for this one because this guy, you know, he's getting stretchered off and it's a hit to the head so i just think that he's got i thought he had a, a lot of passes where he didn't get suspended but when that the visual of it when you smack somebody in the side of the head with with your stick your blade it just seems like you could have you know gave him a little spanking maybe gave him a game that's yeah. what i that's what i thought was going to happen but you know and again to give to give guys that are making whatever it is, six, seven, eight, nine million a year, a $5,000 fine doesn't seem like much.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we have a live auction right now for dinner with Craig Ludwig and Gavin Spittle at Musume, um, which is downtown Dallas, amazing food. And right now the bidding just started. So I'm going to place a bid so that I can spend quality time with Craig. So you're going to have to outbid me.
2: How's that, buddy? Maybe I'll get the pony up to spend not spend time with you. <laughs> We're both contributing charity for the yeah. good cause. Just <laughs> maybe somebody. Maybe we could we could kind of promote that the highest bidder doesn't have to endure the night with Gavin Spill. Oh
1: yeah, why do I get thrown out of the circle? I mean, that's not fair. I had my stick ready. I was prepared. I didn't cheat. I should not be thrown yeah. the face off. You know what, though,
2: that you do need to be with it because I'm just the stick. You're the pinata. So I, you know,
1: <laughs> yeah. By the way, yeah. I earn my paycheck at that damn dinner. So you guys better bid because. Wait a second, you're getting
2: paid. This is a
1: charity. No, that's but I know, but it's it's through. Oh, but work. you just said paycheck. Well, that's what I'm saying. I earn my keep. I earned that sushi that night oh. by by putting okay. up with by putting up with that. But you know. But why not bid? You can bring your lovely lady. I'll figure out something, and uh, it'll be a great night.
0: <laughs> oh man. see that's, a,
2: that's why you're trying to raise the bid. you got to pay for that flight from overseas. <laughs> you are
1: awful, sir. Oh, my God. Yes, actually, I will be flying in um, some experts on um, the Swedish Elite Hockey League so we can talk hockey
2: all night. Yes,
1: that's a great point, Craig. Yes.
2: I think you should have your own table, too. No. Yeah, I think you should have your own private table Mm -hmm. over in the right near the kitchen over there. Why? So you want (sighs) to have
1: dinner with these charity winners and you want me to go to this dinner and sit in the corner.
2: It's not a bad idea, is it? The bidding (laughs) might go up. (laughs) Would I receive
1: some of the food?
2: Oh, of course you would. Oh, that's yeah, you very kind to, of yeah, you, sir. Yeah, you I think we should just have the lowest bidder wins, also, and they get to go with you over on the other side of the room. Man,
1: that'd be a great conversation. I'd be throwing dirt all night. I'm a fountain of information on dirt.
2: You can just text back and forth. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> but you don't return my text. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you, you, you and your flying. You guys would have a good time. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> Flying for hockey, I would bring in a hockey expert, okay? Let's just let's leave it at that. All right. He is two-time, 17-year NHL vet, two-time Stanley Cup champion, played to the age of 39. He's coaching this weekend in Tampa with his um, elite youth squad as they – go on to hopefully win this thing so he's off on the road again and we appreciate the time Mr. Ludwig you are always a lot of fun
2: another hour I'll never get back again
1: <laughs> you love it you just won't admit it you love it
2: all right my dog has got his paws over his ears right now <laughs> <laughs> all he's right bored.
1: everyone thank you for listening to Spitz and Sun. On 105.3 The Fan. Hey, everyone. Have a great day, everyone.